Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I am George O'Brien, the editor of Business West, and we have a, a great show for you today. We have with us Spiris Sateris. He is the president and CEO of Holyoke Medical Center. Good morning, Spiris. How are you? Good morning, George. Fine. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, again, uh, thank you for, for coming on today. Uh, as many of you know, uh, Spiris and actually all those at Holyoke Medical Center were recently honored by Business West with our Healthcare Heroes Award for the work that they did with the soldiers at the Holyoke Soldiers Home. Congratulations to, again to you and your entire hospital for that, Spares. Uh, that was a very uplifting, very inspiring story. Thank you very much, George. It was a team effort, and thank, uh, thank you to Business West for, for recognizing us. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. But on behalf of uh, all those in the region, and especially those at the Holyoke Soldiers Home, uh, we, we thank you. So, um, Again, we have uh, congratulations to that, but we have a lot of other things to, to talk about today. Let, let's start with uh, your hospital and, and COVID, for starters. What are we seeing uh, region-wide, nationwide, statewide? We seem to be seeing a, a bit of a drop in cases. What are you seeing there? Yes, George, I would say that uh, we're also seeing a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, certainly in the last, uh, I would say, a week to 10 days, we've seen uh, trends uh, going down in terms of hospitalizations, um, you know, and infections, um, and as well as uh, seeing fewer and fewer staff being out because of uh, illness uh, now that we have vaccinated a large number of our staff. So uh, it's certainly, certainly encouraging. I know we can't predict too far down the road, but, you know, when do you think uh, things are going to, I don't know, I don't want to use that word normal. No one wants to use that word normal anymore. But when do we really start to see life kind of go back to something approaching where we were before this whole thing started? Well, George, you know, like everybody else, I wish I could uh, predict the future. But uh, the hope is that uh, the combination of, of um, you know, the vaccination efforts, uh, as well as uh, weather uh, um, certainly improving and, 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 and therefore people spending more time outdoors than in, in, in closed areas. Um, hopefully those two factors will come together sometime in the spring and, uh, and we'll see a, a better, a better uh, sort of, um, you know, pro- uh, process than we saw last spring. Last spring was, if you remember, April, May were a very tough month. So hopefully this time around it'll be better. But other than that, the rest is just speculation. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of very tough, we all know that the virus has been tough on hospitals in a number of different ways, not just from the cases and the stress and the strain on the staff, which you certainly experienced last spring, but just financially in the way that the pandemic has kept people away from the hospital. Emergency room visits are declining. Elective surgery, we all know that those were not allowed for a long period of time. Are we seeing any progress on, on that front? Are things getting any better for hospitals and especially small hospitals like yours? Well, George, uh, I wish I could have better news on that front, but but unfortunately, the financial pressures continue to be significant. And uh, certainly those services that you mentioned, the elective services, the operation services are still lagging far behind, uh, so to speak, normal levels. 
One thing that people may not realize is that uh, while last year we had a lot of cases in a very compressed um, period of time and it it felt like a big surge, um, actually our admissions uh, of uh, COVID admissions uh, from October to now have surpassed the total of COVID admissions we had in the spring of last year. It's just Mm. that it spread out over a longer period of time and uh, and, and it, it doesn't feel as intense. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we still see a lot of folks hospitalized with COVID. Uh, They require a lot of resources, a lot of cost. So we're certainly hoping that, um, you know, Washington comes through with additional support for the hospitals this year because we're certainly not out of the woods. Talk about the relief that came last year or the relief that has come to date, if you will, whether it's been sufficient to, I don't use the word, cover your losses, but uh, has it come close to putting you back on, on level footing here or no? Yes, actually, uh, you know, we're very grateful for that support. And it came in, in, in two major forms. It came in, in terms of CARES Act money from the federal government, as well as uh, assistance from the state uh, uh, through MassHealth. And those two, uh, um, uh, you know, sources of funds were certainly uh, more than sufficient to to help us out during the, uh, the pandemic. I, I'm just referring to the fact that Things have not returned to normal, and while we still are doing financially okay, um, we can see ahead of us that unless more support comes, uh, if this continues, uh, we're going to need you know we're going to need something to um, something more to, to keep us uh, whole. Have people started to return to the hospital? I know last year it was the summer and the fall; people were just staying away. Uh, there was you know tremendous fear. You know, people weren't going to the dentist, they weren't going to the doctor, they weren't going to the hospital. Have they started to come back in any form at all? I know some aspects of healthcare have started to see an uptick, um, return more to what those numbers were, but I need to get a read from you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yes, definitely. Um, Last year at the height of the pandemic, uh, the drop we saw in terms of um, you know, volumes of the hospital was very significant. And uh, I, I want to say it was in the neighborhood of 60% drop. Um, now what we see is a lot of people have returned for services. Certainly they're not putting off as many, as many healthcare uh, needs as, as they did before because of fear. Uh, but uh, we're still behind, uh, I would say, probably a good 15 to 20% of what we had uh, seen in pre-pandemic times. So it's not fully back, but certainly more people are comfortable coming to the hospital for their healthcare needs. And I know the hospitals are working hard to try to get people to to come back. Uh, A lot of targeted messaging. Uh, Have you folks been doing that as well? Absolutely. And, and, you know, George, I mean, what I tell people is, if you really think about it, hospitals are probably one of the safest places to be. Uh, I, I would say hospitals are safer than going to the supermarket, to be honest. I mean, we <laughs> constantly disinfect. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're obsessed with hand hygiene. We all wear our masks. Um, you know, we have trained professionals to understand how to avoid transmission. Um, so uh, certainly in many respects, our hospitals are safer than uh, a lot of other uh, public areas. But the, that elective surgery, uh, those procedures are, are huge revenue producers for hospitals in this area. Are we, we back mm-hmm. to anything approaching a normal schedule with those? Nah, not really. You know, I think people are still a little bit uh, hesitant uh, to come in and, um, and, and have surgery. Uh, so, no, they're not back to normal. And the other thing is that we've had to cancel uh, surgeries when, uh, when we had uh, the house full of, uh, 
of patients with uh, with COVID related symptoms. So there's been even though we haven't had to do this as much as we did last year, uh, we still have had to uh, you know we still had had to cancel some surgeries and and uh, and, and um, postpone them. So um, we're not back to normal, not by any stretch yet. Okay. This is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. We're talking with Spera Soteras, the president and CEO of Holyoke Medical Center. Uh, we've been talking about COVID. Uh, kind of changed the subject a little bit. COVID uh, didn't come at a good time for anyone, but um, really didn't come at a good time for Holyoke Medical Center. You guys were experiencing some some growth. Uh, your census numbers were doing better. You were kind of on a bit of a roll there. And then uh, COVID came along. You want to talk about that a little bit? or? Yeah, certainly um, uh, COVID had a huge impact on us. Um, but I will say, George, paradoxically almost, you know, we've done quite well during the pandemic. And it has to do with a number of factors. First of all, uh, at a time uh, when uh, we realized, at the time we realized that, you know, this is not going to, you know, be a, you know, a, a short process. Uh, we actually took some very significant steps to shore up the organization. One of them was um, we uh, immediately furloughed uh, all employees who were uh, not n- not not necessary to provide the care we were providing during the during the surge of the pandemic. And unless somebody think that you know this was not well thought through or or in any way uh, unfair to the employees, um, let me explain. First of all, there was a, a large number of employees who actually uh, wanted to be home because at that time, if you recall, there was a lot of fear, tremendous amount of fear about this pandemic. Secondly, a lot of our employees, um, by being home, in in essence, were able to earn the same amount of money as being at work, and some of them actually more because of those enhanced uh, benefits they got from the federal government. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, we made sure that we maintained healthcare coverage and all other benefits for those employees, and we called each and every one back. So... Uh, but by doing that and doing it really early on, we cut our expenses by millions of dollars. And, uh, and that, in addition to the help we received, really shored us up in a way that, honestly, the financials this year are actually uh, better than they were in previous years, uh, at least by closing of September. Now, going forward, as I said, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the road is a little tougher because uh, we, we, we don't have any help uh, that we know of that's coming. Uh, but certainly, t- 2020 year-end, uh, or the financials were better than than in many years. Well, a lot of people have said that 2021 is going to be more difficult than 2020 in many different business sectors and, and in many different ways. So you were able to get a read on uh, what might happen in terms of additional support, uh, additional aid from the federal government? Well, certainly we're hopeful that the administration will be uh, responsive to the needs of the hospitals. Now, what's interesting is that there's still approximately $30 billion left uh, in the CARES Act um, funds that were established from, by the previous administration that have not yet been dispersed to healthcare providers. And uh, we have applied uh, for some of that money, as have others. Some mm-hmm. have received money, some are still waiting. Um, but what's interesting here is that, you know, there is a need for sure, and money has been sitting in that, in that fund for uh, many, many months since last summer. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that will be the first and immediate uh, uh, release and relief. And then we'll see what the Biden administration does with health overall. Let's shift gears and talk about uh, another subject uh, I'm sure you want to talk about, and that is uh, mental health and your own plans to uh, expand 
the behavioral health services you provide at Holyoke Medical Center? I think you want to increase your beds. What was it from? Was it yes. 20 to 80, something like this? You've got plans on the table and, and we're moving forward. Talk about this a little bit. So, so um, the, 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 the quick sort of uh, chronology of this is that um, some years ago, some years back, uh, uh, I want to say it was two plus years back, uh, Bayside had announced that they would build a, a new hospital at the uh, site of the Geriatric Authority in Holyoke. And uh, obviously, we're always supportive of uh, behavioral health expansion, and uh, we're happy to hear about that project. Uh, it turns out that uh, it was uh, subsequently uh, canceled. Uh, there were some issues, I think, with our partners. Mm-hmm. And um, and even subsequent to that, uh, Providence announced that they're closing a lot of the behavioral health beds in the old Providence Hospital location. Um, so we got together, our team got together, and, 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 you know, based on those two events, we decided that we had to step in and, and do something about uh, behavioral health beds because, frankly, we could see, uh, and this was even before the pandemic hit, we could see that uh, the need would be great. Uh, so we put forth, I think, a wonderful plan to build a new hospital uh, right on our campus, and uh, we moved that plan forward through the state, through the pandemic times, um, you know, and it's uh, at this point at the final approval process. At the same time, um, we knew that this project is going to be at least uh, a couple of years out before it's completed. Uh, The need uh, created through the pandemic uh, was very, very significant. Uh, In fact, uh, we we always uh, have uh, uh, patients waiting in the ED to find a bed for behavioral health. Um, So we worked with the state and we developed a plan to open uh, two units inside the hospital, um, sort of as a bridge unit, as bridge units, if you will, until the new hospital is built. And so those two units are under construction, and um, and they should be completed by April 30th. And there's a couple of things that have changed since, and I want to make sure your viewers are aware, or your listeners, I'm sorry, are aware. Um, first of all, you know, the, the we responded to that need and, and decided to create a, a pediatric behavioral health unit inside the hospital and an adult unit that would bring our capacity up uh, from 20 beds uh, to 38 for adults and, and, and a nine-bed pediatric unit, at least until we build a new hospital. Um, subsequent to all those announcements, Bay State re- resumed their plan. They found a new partner and um, they're, they're, they've announced that they're going to continue to uh, with their plans to build a hospital at the site of the geriatric authority. Um, and then uh, I found out, uh, you know, 10 days or two weeks ago that uh, they've also decided now to uh, create a pediatric um, unit, uh, behavioral health pediatric unit. Um, so with that, we have to change our plans. And uh, I can be more specific if you want, but we obviously have to change our plans because we don't want to... Um, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, creating a, a, a situation where we have too many beds in, in one particular geographic area. Well, let's talk about this a little bit more. We've got a few minutes left. The, the need is obviously there. Um, have we identified specifically how many beds this region can add comfortably? I, the problem with behavioral health for three years and with many healthcare services is that they just don't pay for themselves. They're almost mm-hmm. losing propositions, if you will, isn't it? Not almost, but they are. This is why Trinity yeah. Health is probably not doing this anymore. But how many beds can we add, and, and, and what's realistic for this region? So the need is certainly there. And, and when we put our project forth uh, for the new hospital, we did a market analysis, um, and we identified that we could add uh, 60 to 70 beds um, 
uh, and and be and have enough uh, patience uh, for those you know to, to to put in those beds. I suspect that Basta did the same analysis and uh, has come up also with a number. And so they you know the problem is that those two overlap. It's not. Um, you know, it's not as if they looked at a different market segment because the, the, the hospital would literally be a mile and a half away. Um, so we have some concerns about that because the reality is it's not just uh, how many patients are in the area, but also you're competing for staff and other resources, physicians in the same geographic region. And we personally don't see uh, a need for two hospitals to be within a mile and a half of each other uh, when there's no beds, uh, you know, uh, north of here uh, or west of here. So. Uh, so we're probably going to end up changing those plans uh, if Baystate continues to move forward with our project. We also uh, changed our plans on the pediatric side. Uh, we pulled the plug on that project because, uh, again, we stepped forward um, to fill a need when when everybody was uh, was concerned about pediatric beds. Uh, subsequent to that, halfway through our construction, Baystate announced that they will do it. So we'll be happy to let let Baystate do it, and and we'll 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 switch plans uh, internally. So do we know what these new plans will look like at this point? Yeah, at this point, we're going to focus on adult uh, beds. So we're going to convert mm-hmm. uh, both units to adult uh, to adult beds at this point. Um, and it is a little frustrating, George, because I wish there was a little more, you know, coordination and, and cooperation. Uh, I mean, we have good relationship with Basted and others, but, but we've been blindsided a couple of times this way. Um, and, um, you know, at some point, I think that it's, it's probably – the role the state should play uh, and and coordinate things a little better because, you know, we're halfway through construction of a pediatric and only to find out that basically decides not to do it as well without any discussion or, and, and, and it, it is frustrating because because we, we, what we really care about is that somebody meets the need. I mean, you know, um, and at the time we stepped forward, nobody else wanted to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully, you know, once we have the pandemic under under control, the state will step in and do a little bit more, planning and coordination of those initiatives. Well, thank you for your time today. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Always insightful, uh, always forward-looking. So good luck to you and your endeavors. And again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, George. I appreciate it and have a good day and stay safe. Okay, you too. Thank you. And thank to all of you for tuning into another episode of Business Talk. This is a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.